Please turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you verses 12 through 17. God's word says this, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, and humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. God, we ask Your blessing on our time. We ask that You would change our hearts and mark us with Your Word. God, I ask that You would cause us to be humble, that we might be able to hear Your Word And not just to hear, but to obey and to be changed. We thank you for the time of gathering your church together. Glorify yourself in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If you've been with us for a while, we've been uh, going through Colossians chapter 3 and uh, the book of Colossians. And uh, uh, we're not getting very far today. We're just going to handle one verse. Um, It's not because... You're slow, and you can't handle much more than that, but probably because the preacher's slow, and I can't handle much more than that. So we look at this passage, and really the book of Colossians, it brings forth that Christ has a better way, that Christ is the one that we need, and not our old laws and rituals, not our rules, but we need Christ. And then at the beginning of chapter 3, He tells us that we need to start thinking differently. And that's where we are this morning. I realize that many of you are at different places in your walk with the Lord. And really what needs to happen if you've trusted in Jesus Christ is you need to gain a heavenly mindset that you might think about life down here as God would have you think if you lived up there. And so that's where we're in the midst of this morning. We're just looking at verse 16 this morning, so if you can focus in on that. Really, that first part really gives us the foundation for much of the change that needs to happen in us. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You may hear that as a little bit different than the word of God, the word of Christ, and I really believe that it's the same, the word of God or the word of Christ, and yet he is emphasizing that the same Christ that saved you has a message or new thinking for you that you need to think like Jesus. You need to have his thoughts be your thoughts. It's the word of Christ. And what is it supposed to do? It's supposed to dwell in us richly. Most of us have gone uh, to family members' homes to stay for a little while. 
or we've gone to a friend's house to spend the night. So what do you bring when you go to spend the night at someone's house or spend a few days? Some of you bring everything you own. You want to, in in your mind, you're thinking of all the contingencies. Like, what if it snows? I know it's spring, but what if it snows? Uh, I don't know about that this morning. That was a little, my my own daughter, she's five. She she comes out in the parking lot and she says, Oh, Burr, it's freezing. And then she says, I thought it was spring. I thought it was spring. And I thought that was her first... uh, initiation to the Tehachapi weather that sometimes it'll tease you like that, right? You'll have a nice day and then it'll change. When you go someplace just for a small stay, you don't bring everything. I I know as a youth pastor, we used to talk about going to camp and, you know, some of these girls would pack uh, duffel bags that were bigger than themselves and uh, we'd threaten to repack them in the uh, parking lot and all that stuff. And you say... Hey, we're we're not we're not moving in. We're just going for a visit. It's only for a few days. And I want you to ask the question as you look at verse 16, what is the place that the word of Christ is to have in your heart? Is it just for a visit? Is it just a temporary stay? No. It's for it's to come and live in you. That the word of Christ might come and dwell with you. It's to take up residence. It's to be a part of everything that you are. There's a difference between visiting someone's house and moving in and moving in. And in this passage, verse 16, it says, let, let the word of Christ move in with you, move in with you. It's interesting that uh, we have plenty of junk at our home. I don't know if that's just our family or your family as well, but we have we have plenty of things that have moved in with us. But, you know, they get thrown out in the garage or they get put in a closet somewhere. And that's not the picture of this either. It's not just that the word of Christ would come and be a, a part of our, our, our family. It's to have a place of, of central importance. In fact, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you what? Richly. Richly, the idea of giving it priority and preeminence that it would have a special spot. Now, uh, I'm not a big concert goer, but some of you, do you like going to concerts? How many of you like to go to concerts? It's interesting about going to concerts because you'll, you'll go get tickets and some of you will pay uh, maybe even $40 for a ticket and you'll pay to, to go to a concert. That's interesting to me, by the way. Um, I find that unique and bizarre. But anyways, to pay money. And in Tehachapi, what you'll also do is you won't just pay, but you will drive, right? You'll drive hour, two hours to go to a concert. So you pay the $40, you drive two hours, paying $4 a gallon to go. And then... You'll participate in a concert, maybe a couple hours. or So you drove an hour, you paid $4, you got the $40 ticket, you spent a couple of hours, spent a couple of hours on the way home, and probably a meal in there too. And, and you say, why? Because I went to the concert, because I love the concert. And if I would ask you, I'd say, so, hey, uh, let's, let's spend some time together on Friday night. You'd say, no, I can't. Wait, no, that's not true. I can I just don't want to. 
I don't want to spend time with you. And he said, well, why? I'm going to the concert. And I'm thinking, well, what's so special about this concert? And he said, I want to go. I want to go. I've paid my money. I'm ready to pay more money. I've set aside the time and the schedule. I'm so excited because this is what I want to do. And this is the picture that I'm giving you is the idea of richly. It's the idea of giving it a, a place of importance in your life. This morning as we've gathered here as his church, um, I, I say this all the time, but I'll say it again today. We don't care about attendance here, okay? Uh, we're not giving attendance buttons out or pencils or certificates. You know, the state's not paying us a certain X amount of dollars because you showed up today, like our school system. Doesn't mean that you learned it. No, I, I, don't get me going, you know. Uh, Right? There's no sense of greatness to you just coming and taking a spot on the pew. There's a purpose for us gathering here today, and really purposes, right? It is important that, you know, uh, the singing is important. As we sing uh, about what God has done and who He is, there's an importance to that that we would gather. There's an importance that you would speak with one another that you would talk and that you would encourage and both sharing joys and sorrows, that you'd be serving one another. There's an importance of us being before the word of God. And what is it? The importance of that is because part of the change that goes on and really a central part of the change that needs to happen in you is that the word of Christ needs to dwell in you richly. It's to dwell in you. It's not good enough for you to go to a, a great church that preaches God's word. It's not, it's not enough for you to be a part of a family that really loves God's word. It, it's not about you being a part of the youth group and that they do that there or part of the Awana program or part of anything. It's about the word of Christ dwelling in you richly. That's the place it needs to have. I think about uh, our day, and it's not just about um, getting there, but it's also about giving it the attention that it deserves. Uh, having gone to more school than I wanted to, I don't know how that worked out, but um, many times I, I had to take tests, and there was a sense in which there were some tests that were so important and things hinged on those tests that I would clear everything out of the schedule because I knew that I had to be at the top of my game when I was going through that test because it mattered. It mattered. You push other things aside, you throw them to the ditch and you say, because this is what's most important. You give priority. Some people are night owls and their brain doesn't even turn on until 10 o'clock at night and then it goes crazy with ideas and thoughts and, and just as, you know, there's all these things. And others wake up at five o'clock in the morning and they, bam, they want to talk. Uh, this is sometimes complicated in marriage uh, when one is one and one is the other. Others of you, uh, this morning I got in the surprise box, I got a coffee cup. And one of the first things I thought of is some people just aren't that good until they get that first cup of coffee. You know, and then it, it, their brain starts kicking in and uh, things start to focus. The point of, the, of this, this verse is that 
The word of Christ needs to have a place in your heart and in your life and your family that, that it dwells with you. It is the, the central thing of everything. It's not just about what happens at church. It's what happens at the breakfast table when we're doing homework, when we're cleaning house, when we're feeding the chickens or when whatever you do at your house. It needs to be a part of everything that you are. That's what he's saying. And, and, and what's going to happen? This is part of that change for you to think heavenly. This isn't just in the past verses it talked about putting off and putting on. I think it's even far more than just putting on because if you think about it, the old life was the, the dirty garments. You take those off and you put on new ones. But, but this isn't just putting on a new piece of clothing. What is it? It's that the word of Christ comes to dwell and to live with you. It's a permanent part of who you are. I think about that too. And I think about different things that prioritize our lives. You know, you think about what, what did you do this week? What are the things that you were on your schedule? I don't want a list of them. Um, but in your own mind, think about the things that you did. The, the things that you gave priority to. And the reason the word of Christ is so important is because it is essential both for changing you from the person you used to be and really eternally being uh, something that will be important for you in the years to come, in the years to come. What can you say of that you did this week that that's true of? Nothing, nothing at all. There was nothing that was eternal that you gave yourself to apart from who Christ is and what he has said. Nothing. And so he says, he says to you, hey, if you want to change, if you want to be different, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's really the basis for the three things that I see coming out of this verse is first of all, that his word is the foundation for who we are. And we give ourselves to that foundation, having the place on which everything else in our life is built upon. He says it's verse 16, moving on from there. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Let's just focus on one another. When, when the Colossian church would have heard Paul saying to them, uh, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, who would they have thought was the one another? Who would they have thought of? As if we were the Colossian church here this morning, we have a better building than they had, I guarantee you. Um, and as we were sitting here as the Colossian church and got this letter from Paul, it's read, and it says, one another. Who would they have thought of? Yeah, we would have been it, right? I thought, well, I guess that means my husband, my wife. I guess that means my kids. I guess that means the other people that I, I, I've lived with and I'm a part of and I, I, I gather in this church. So what he's saying is this. How do you deal with one another? How do you deal with one another? Having been instructed and, and the word of Christ dwelling in you richly, how do you deal with one another? He gives two words. He gives two words. Teaching and admonishing. Teaching and admonishing. When you hear that word teaching, what do you think of? You, thank you. Marshall's been away from school from a very long time. If he thinks that that when he thinks of me, you know, uh, it's good. It's good. 
most of the time when I think of teachers, I think of school. I think of students. And isn't that great? School's almost over. Isn't it great? Isn't that awesome? Scott and Jesse graduated just last week. Oh, Friday. They got this great look about them. There's no stress at all apart from weddings and stuff, you know. But uh, the graduate, you know, the idea of being done with school. And so when you hear that word teaching, sometimes this is a, I'm a, I'm a little afraid of teaching this passage to you because some of you are going to get the wrong idea and you're going to go, oh, so we're supposed to teach people. And next week you're going to come to church and you're going to go, I'm going to teach something. So it's, it's, I don't care. I don't know who's going to get it, but somebody's going to be taught something today. And you're standing there waiting at the door and you, next person, they walk in, you go, sit down. I'm going to teach you something. And you're just ready to unload all that you know. That's not what this word is about. I just want to tell you. It's not. When you think of teaching, there was really in the New Testament one great teacher. It was Jesus. And when he taught, what, what did he do? It's conversational. It's conversational. What did he do? He walked with people. He walked with his disciples. It was interesting that Jesus was the, the ultimate surprise boxer, wasn't he? Like he was picking up things. He was seeing it. He was talking to his disciples. He took a child. He took, you know, he, he was always gathering in life and he was teaching that which they needed, that which they needed. Which makes it interesting for us, because forgive me for saying it so bluntly, but none of you are Jesus. None of you are Jesus. In fact, um, knowing a lot of you and you knowing me, none of us are even close to Jesus, okay? So you you might, sometimes we get confused with that too. We're like, you know, I got something to teach you and you better listen. And you say, by what authority? You you know, what what made you, what what diploma have you gotten? You see... uh, what we have to teach is amazing because God has taken each one of us, each one of us who've walked with the Lord Jesus in different paths. We've, we've had different experiences. We've had different mentors. We have different people who have invested in our lives. And what that does, it brings different things to each one's heart that they might be able to teach, that they might be able to share. And one last thing about teaching, it's not for the benefit of the teacher but for the one learning, it's for their benefit that they might be encouraged and grow near to God. Once again, on the basis of what? Because their heart, their heart and their life have been, have been marked by the word of Christ dwelling in them, dwelling in them. Second word, he says admonishing. Um, and let me describe to you what admonishing is. And I'm going to say it real bluntly and then we'll We'll work that through. You are wrong. You're wrong. How does that hit you when somebody says that to you? How, do you like when people tell you you're wrong? Does anybody, does anybody like, does anybody weird enough to like uh, when people tell you you're wrong? And yet that's what admonishing is. It's Admonishing is. It's not being rude. It's not being rude. But it's the idea of telling someone they're going in the wrong direction. They're acting in the wrong way. They're saying things wrongly. They need to change. They need to change. Uh, Just so you know, nobody likes that. Nobody likes that. But 
I don't want to be confusing here. Is it good when people tell you you're wrong? Let me ask you that. Is it good when people tell you you're wrong? Only if they're right. Right. And you're wrong. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's great. In fact, we need it. We need it. We need it. And and how does how does Paul say that we are to deal with one another and work with one another and what benefit we have to one another? Teaching and admonishing. Teaching that which we know, having been instructed, the word of Christ dwelling in us richly, sharing that with one another. And secondly, correcting one another, once again, on the basis of the word of God. Because he is already, he's dwelling with us, we have a basis for doing that. In, he follows that up with what? In all wisdom, right? In all wisdom. It's not just our own ideas and thoughts that we're blabbing. We're blabbing about what we think you, the other person needs to be. You need to listen to me because I'm older than you. You need to be listening to me because of some degree I have. You need to be listening to me because of some circumstances. Nuh-uh. The basis for all this the word of Christ and the wisdom, his wisdom applied, applied to the lives of one another. As a first thing, as he goes on, he talks about singing, about singing or about music. And really, uh, it's difficult to make a connection here, especially as the English Standard Version connects it. Um, there isn't a whole lot of connection. Other translations translate a little bit stronger. It's tough. It's a tough passage. In Ephesians chapter 5, there's a passage very similar to this. And this is what it says. Verse 19. Chapter 5, verse 19. And do not get drunk with wine. It's a command, so it's a sin. For that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And then it says in verse 9, addressing, addressing or speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything God the Father, for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Very similar passage, and it makes the connection that uh, teaching and admonishing or, or, or working with one another or speaking to one another even comes out in song, which is an interesting thing, isn't it? And I really believe that some of that is connected to the Colossians passage we're looking at. It's, it's interesting to me that even one of the simplest songs, I think of God is so good. You know that chorus, I think it was written in the 70s or 80s, somewhere in there. God is so good. Musically, it's not complicated. I could probably even play it on the guitar or at least the kazoo. God is so good. The words aren't that deep. God is so good. And I think the next line is God is so good. Okay. And yet the reminder of that, as I sing, if you did not know that and you heard me sing, I would be telling you truth that would be telling you something maybe different than you believed or even Maybe you already knew that God was good. You're struggling through a hard time and someone was singing that and they said, ah, remember that. Just a simple truth. 
And yet, whether that's connected or not, I know that it's connected as we look at the basis of the word of Christ dwelling in us, dwelling in us. Our passage this morning has three different distinctions for singing or songs. It says the first one being psalms. And when you think of the psalms, what do you think of? The psalms. (laughs) Yeah. Psalms. We make that connection. And yet the word psalm just simply means a song that is sung uh, to a stringed instrument. So that's why, that's why guitars are important to the church. Did you get that? Said it right there. If you didn't, you can't. Oh, you must not know Hebrew. Actually, uh, what what instrument was probably more prominent than a guitar? Probably. Harp. Yeah. When I think of a harp, I think of uh, Marshall and Sally's granddaughter plays the harp. She's played it a few times here. The funny thing, um, it's kind of hard to take a harp to camp, by the way. You know, I, I knew a, a lady up in Petaluma area, and she had a special car that she had figured out a way to shove her harp in there. Uh, it's almost like taking a piano with you wherever you go. A harp, a harp. Uh, other uh, stringed instruments as well. Uh, and the idea, that's what that kind of song was like. You, you go on, he says psalms, he, he says hymns. And when you think of hymns, what do you think of? You think of you think of this book right here, or a book like it, a hymnal, and uh, and so it's old songs that are in a book. You know that would be the definition uh, if uh, we uh, put that in there. What what a hymn is by definition is a religious or a song about God, uh, and especially songs that praise Him. Songs that praise Him. So he says, uh, those with stringed instruments, those songs specifically about praising him. And then the last word, it says spiritual songs or kind of hard to understand whether uh, spiritual is meant to modify all three of them, meaning spiritual psalms, spiritual hymns and spiritual songs, or if it's just meant to define spiritual songs. That word song uh, is like a song. It just means a song. And we have songs that we sing here. Then there are songs that they have in the world that have nothing to do with right here. In fact, um, I think I've shared this with you before. I, there was a guy that I uh, worked with as a pastor. Um, and he used to work as a Kirby uh, vacuum salesman. And this just cracks me up. Every time I start saying this story, it just cracks me up. That when the salesmen would go out in the morning and, and what they do is they would knock on uh, doors and specifically mobile home parks. I'm telling you, that's what he told me. So they, they'd have all these salesmen together and you know what they'd do before they went out? They would grab the Kirby songbook. It might have even been called a hymnal, I don't know. But they had songs and it had like 50 or 60 songs that uh, were all about Kirby vacuum cleaners. Uh, no joke, I'm not making this up. It was just too good. It was just too good. And, and he said that they would sing three or four of them before they would go out together. You know, these salesmen, you can just picture. And, and like one of them that I remember, I gotta find my copy of it. It's in my garage somewhere. But it was one, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, knock. 
you know, it was all about knocking on doors. And then there was, um, uh, when the salesmen go marching in, when the salesmen go marching in, and I'm picturing this, I'm picturing these salesmen going, uh, please turn in your uh, songbook to number four and sing wholeheartedly. Uh, you know, it's just crazy, right? There's songs out there, but there's also songs in here, right? And there's a distinction. And so he says, he says, we have something to sing about. How do we know? Because the word of Christ is dwelling in us richly. How will we know what to sing about? Should we just make up songs we think are right about God? No. As the word of Christ dwells in us richly, it'll prompt us to sing. It'll prompt us. In fact, in the Ephesians passage, it says making melodies in your heart to God. It's the idea there's a spontaneous uh, flow of a heart that's filled that comes out in song. When we love something, we sing about it. Now, um, my point uh, of that section of our verse today is this, that we do have something to sing about. And I think he uses three distinctions, or not really as distinctions at all, but in music, in song, all kinds of songs, whether it's with stringed instruments or, or whether it's a song of praise, whether it's a, a generic... The songs that we sing have a point, have a point. And it's the point that causes us to sing and to join our voices together as we meet one to another. Really, the the one thing that should be true about the songs that we sing at Bear Valley Church is they should have something important that they say about God. Something important. Now, this morning, uh, just... Side note here, I want to talk to us as a family. You know we're a family, right? You know we're a family, right? Nod your head. Some of you are just looking at me and going, I don't know if I want to nod my head. I don't know where he's going with this. We are a family. And I'm a part of a family. You're a part of a family too. And we're talking about music. We're talking about music right now. And uh, in this verse that we're looking at, it says that we have something to sing about. We have something to sing about. And we are a family as we come together. Uh, one of the things that I do uh, from time to time, it's not something that I do on purpose. It just every once in a while, I borrow someone's car. I borrow someone's car. And many years ago, I, I borrowed someone's car and uh, I hopped in the, the seat. And one of the things I do, I, I, you know, I don't know if it's just habit or whatever, you turn on the radio. You turn on the radio and a CD was in and, and I go, I started smiling because you know what the CD was? It was Pantera. You know what that one is? Some of you are saying, no. it's one of the black t-shirt bands. Okay. Like from the late eighties, early nineties. And it just is one of those ones that your ears bleed, your ears bleed afterwards. Person from Bear Valley Church, true story. Uh, so I was just smiling and laughing and I, and to me, I was going, so this is who they are. You know, this is what they listen to when they're by themselves in their car. And I thought, huh, Pantera. Interestingly enough, a few years ago, I borrowed someone's car again. Same story, same story. I, I, I get in, I get in and I turn it on. You know, it's playing Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra. 
And I, I, once again, I'm laughing. I'm going, this is who they are. When they're alone in their car, this is what they're listening to. And what's interesting, well, just, just recently, just recently, I borrowed someone's car. And, uh, and you know what's on their radio? You'll never believe it. You'll never believe it. KNX 1070. News radio all the time. News on the how, hour and on the half and when it breaks, right? Yeah. Like, like how boring do you think that person was? That was our youth pastor, by the way. Now, let me, let me describe this to you. Let me, we're a family, right? We're a family, right? That, that's what people are. Brandon just happens to be boring. Uh, he's concerned what freeways clogged and, you know, uh, yeah. I think it's going to all change. He's getting married. He'll get out of seminary one of these days and he'll listen to music again. You know, the birds will start chirping. The flowers will be blossoming. Anyways, uh, let me just tell you, let me be real clear with you. Um, Pantera, we're not going to be singing Pantera on Sunday morning. We're also not going to be singing, I did it my way. Okay, we're not. It's never going to happen. We're not going to be listening to the news and talking about the greatness because we're, you know, we, we don't have anything to sing about. You see, we're a family and everyone has different tastes. And what, what I want you to know about the music of Bear Valley Church, it's not your stereo. It's not your iPod. And it's not what you listen to in your car. You know, we struggle at the Bozer house all the time. And I hate to bring up family matters in church, but... My boys, uh, they, they like certain music, you know. Skillet's really big to them. I'm awake, I'm alive. <laughs> you know, there's a sense in which, you know, that can kind of tense you up every once in a while, you know. There's sometimes we get in the car and um, I, I hop in and as I did with these others, I turn on and... And it's these kids singing, and they're singing, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. And you're, you're kind of going, Oh, no, please, no. Please, no, it's going to be a long trip to Bakersfield if we listen to that the whole way down there. You know, there's other things in our stereo, too, that, you know, just uh, instrumentals. And, and uh, you know, there's good music, like Casting Crowns. That's my favorite. Um, you know, there's there's very diverse people, both in our family and in our church family. Uh, I call Rick every once in a while, and it, as his phone's looking for him, I don't know how that works, by the way. Hey, where are you, Rick? Um, but it plays, remember the cross on which to, you know, I, I, these are all very different, right? But this is the point that I want you to get this morning. This is what... As we gather together as a family, this is not music for you. This is not music for you. This isn't uh, what I want. There was a radio station that said, all requests all the time. This isn't where it is. You know, you can do your requests on your iPod, in your, in your car or truck. You, you can put that on your own stereo. But as we gather together here, we have a single-minded purpose as we gather. You know what it is? It's to sing about God. It's to sing about Him. And this is not a place where we get what we want. This is a place where we gather 
around the very word of Christ that's supposed to dwell in us individually. The point of the music is not style, but message. And as we gather together, we are unifying around the message that saves. You see, spiritual people, spiritual people, ones that love God, don't love the same music. They love the same message. And that's what we gather around as we gather as his church. So uh, we're called to teach and admonish one another. We're called to sing because we have something to sing about. And thirdly, one of the common themes of the book of Colossians that goes over and over and over again is what? Thankfulness. How are we to sing? With thankfulness in your hearts to God. You see, uh, my message and my title was we have something to sing about. And you know what's interesting is that there are very few places in the world today where people gather to sing. You know, they they just don't do it. Why? I I don't know why. But when we gather, we sing. You know why? Because we have something that rearranges our hearts, fills us with joy and something important that's worthy to sing about. And what happens is as God teaches us about himself, about the riches of his gospel to us, it can't help but make us thankful. And and some of you are arguing with me right now and you say, well, my life just stinks. There's just so many bad things about it. Then you, if that's the overwhelming thing in your life, if that's what's the biggest piece in your life, maybe you've missed the gospel. Because the gospel changes everything and makes everything else secondary. You see, that's why thanksgiving should rise up in our lives and overflow into all areas. It's the great change that he makes in us. This morning, I hope that uh, as we've been able to look at his word, that it is dwelling in us richly. It's not something that's just passing. It's not just something that's temporary, but we call it to come and live with us, to rearrange us, to be our priority. And all those other things will flow out of there. Let's pray and ask that God would make this true in us. God, thank you for the opportunity of being before your word. We do ask that you would make us people, that individually your word dwells in us richly, that we don't just look at it as information, like sometimes we look at a classroom setting, but may we look at your word as life, as life. And may your word have a permanent place of residence in us, rearranging all things to your liking, not ours. God, we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name.